Welcome to They Think It's All Over, the Football Shirt Show. I'm Adrian Football Shirt Chalia. Who's joining me this week? We've got our own answer to Ted Bowley buying up every shirt that moves. It's Scott, Flying Scotsman. How are you? Good, thank you. All the better after Scotland's rugby win over England this weekend as well. Well done. Um, we also have our in-house agony aunt, Tom, the shirt fan. How are you, Tom? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a. I'm braced myself for these questions that we've had come into us, and I feel like there should be a disclaimer. Don't ever listen to my advice. Finally, but not least, we managed to wrestle him away from the Royal Rumble or whatever you call it. Uh, Mike at the shirt band. How are you, Mike? All right. I'm good, and the Royal Rumble was absolutely brilliant, by the way. Yeah, you got shirt, right. man. He's footy shirts. <laughs> uh, we're not here for the social media points anyway. So coming up this week, we've got kit news. We've got a special feature behind the badge. Our brand new segment, Dear Tom, and a cheeky little X-rated quiz from Mike. First up, we've got some more rock and roll news in the uh, in the kit market, haven't we, Mike? We have, and somehow it's even worse than the ACDC ones we were talking about last week. For the second time, apparently, I didn't even know about the first one. That's how successful that obviously was. Uh, The Rolling Stones have linked up with AC Milan for what I can only describe as a really, in my opinion, tacky leisure wear range, really. There's um, a varsity jacket, hoodies, T-shirts, caps, scarves. The only thing I do quite like about it is that they've they've done like a bit of a mock up of the AC Milan badge with the the Rolling Stones sort of like mouth and tongue sort of like bursting out in the middle of it, which is quite good. But apart from that, it's more faff to be honest with you. It's not affiliated with Puma. There'll be no match wear, so just a bit rubbish. Have you guys seen it? I, I think I agree. Been, really, I think you're both overly harsh there. I think there's plenty of room for satisfaction with these shirts. I think you should have a bit more sympathy for the devil, you know? I think they're great shirts. I just wonder if they're going to paint it black. <laughs> Fuck's sake. He's making up for last week, isn't he? Yeah. The jokes are as bad as the fucking range. <laughs> yeah, we didn't miss you, Tom. We. <laughs> I do like the... I'm, I agree, though. I do like... I think the badge looks cool, but, yeah, the rest of it's not for me, I'm afraid. I don't think it's too bad in all seriousness. And it's similar to that Ghostbusters range they did last season. Do you remember that? It was very similar. It's just kind of leisure wear, jumpers. And they, they had the AC Milan badge with, what's the Ghostbusters symbol? Is it Slimer coming out of the, the badge? Um, no, it's the Marshmallow Man, is it not? Or is that it. on the car, yeah? Yeah, they did something similar last year for... But I quite like how AC Milan are developing this reputation. I mean, it is hit and miss, but they're developing this reputation to kind of do those collabs. And I think some of them are quite cool. I mean, if you're a Rolling Stones fan, this is a must-buy, surely. My problem with it is the the, the non-affiliation with the the brand that, that manufactured for them. So if it was... If I had Puma logo on it and they'd worked with it, I think I'd like it. It's just, I don't know what it is. I, I don't like any of this sort of like club wear that has no no manufacturer on it. It's just not for me. It just lo- looks a bit market stallish. And I'll go one step further. Not only do I not like it with the, the brand, I also don't like that. I mean, like what the fuck does the Ghostbusters have to do with AC Milan? If there was a genuine link for all look, this is kind of cool to do with our club and our history. We've made a range. I'd appreciate it. But they seem to just be plucking shit out of nowhere. Oh, what we do this week, lads? Oh, Rolling Stones. Yeah, okay. You know, I don't like the tedious links. 
Well, you can't always get what you want, but uh, I thought the redesign of the, the the actual badge itself was quite nice. Let's move swiftly on. What else have we got this week? Borussia Dortmund have announced that they're bringing out another blackout shirt, and it's to be worn on the 19th of February against Hertha Berlin. We've seen some pictures. I mean, there's not much to say about it. It is a blackout shirt with kind of chrome, heat-pressed logos, sponsors, badges. Did a bit of digging around on the dark world of Dortmund fan Twitter, and there was a few boys speaking back and forth. And the general conclusion I got is that none of them have a fucking clue. But some people say it's not going to be limited, like the neon one, where they just opened it up so everybody could get one. Whereas some other people are suggesting that there was somebody that knew someone on the inside but didn't go any further, that he's been told that it's limited. But no idea if it's going to be in a box or if it will be limited or even when it's going to be out. When the 1920 one came out, it was released on match day online at halftime, which actually upset quite a few of the local fans, obviously, because they were in the stadium and unable to buy the shirt. So I'm not sure if they'll risk the wrath of the of the ultras again by doing that, or if it'll be another null neon job where they just let everybody buy one. I really like it, to be honest. I don't hate blackout shirts like a lot of people do. And I hear a lot of people saying, you know, blackout shirts have been overdone, but really, how many have we actually had? There's there's not that many true blackout shirts that have, that have actually been been made over the last few years. I think it's better than some of the others that have come out. It's a it's a proper blackout shirt as well, which I think if you're going to do it, you should do it properly and go go all out of it. I think it'll be good. Hopefully it's not limited. I think there's not many shirts that we've heard are limited that have ended up actually truly being limited recently. So fingers crossed it's the same. And the nice thing about these is they actually wear them in a game. I think it's really commendable that they've managed to make a Dortmund shirt less interesting than they usually are. So I think they've done a really good job. <laughs> I agree, Tom. Tom, there's been another shirt released this week from France. Yeah, I'm here in northern France as the correspondent for Lille. And I believe it's a limited shirt, although I can't quite get clarification as to why it's limited or if it is at all, actually. But it doesn't seem to be like numbered anyway, on the very least. But this is Lille's new fourth shirt otherwise known as Nous Somme Le Nord, We Are The North. And this fourth shirt is going into rotation for the rest of the season. Pays homage to the club's position in the region in the north of France. And it's got lots of nice little touches and details that kind of play into its location. Uh, We have the Accru colour, which some people have commented, or a number of people have commented, strangely within 24 hours, that this is a a colourway that's becoming more popular. But this has a reason because it is inspired by the pigment of raw cotton used in the city's fabric production for centuries. So there's reason to the rhyme, even. It's just a really nice shirt. It's got a really funky kind of geometric design on the front with four points of a compass with the northern point highlighted in the club's colours, a nod to their northern location. And yeah, I think it's quite a nice, nicely done shirt, whether it's limited or not. Saying it's limited may work because they crashed the site um this morning for anybody that was after one but now that the traffic's calmed down they're, they're still available in all sizes so they're either not very very limited or nobody cares but well, yeah because i'm sure people care i think it's a really nice shirt 
I think it's all right. I'm not. I'm not as into it as a lot of people seem to be. To be honest, I, I don't know why. There's nothing bad about it. And um, the one thing I am interested to see is how it looks as a kit. It's all a crew socks with like a blue tank, a little blue line down the socks. Mm, yeah, not sure. Not sure about that. I'm not sure how it will look as a full kit then, with with the same color shorts and socks as the you know the main color of the shirt. But hey, it, it, it's okay. It's nothing special for me, but not awful. Just from a design point of view. I like how they thought that we can still read the kazoo and the new balance on the front, but they fucking planed that back out just in case the referee couldn't see the number. Every single week, Scott. Every single week. It was a good design choice. (laughs) Well played. At least I think it says kazoo. It's really hard to tell with that pattern on the front of the shirt. They probably don't want people to see it anyway. After paying for the sponsorship, I don't think they operate in Europe anymore anyway, Um, which is a strange one, but there you go. Let's move on to this week's feature. Welcome, listeners, to this week's feature, where we are joined by the author, Swedish author, Leonard Jägerskjöld, who wrote World Football Club Crest, the design, meaning and symbolism of world football's most famous club badges. So welcome, Leonard. Thank you. Great to be here. We're joined by Adam today as well, at This One Kit from Twitter, who you all know is a regular pod contributor. So hello, Adam. Hello and hello, everyone. And hello, Leonard. Yeah, hello Adam. You're wearing a Swedish shirt, Swedish jersey. That makes me really, really I am. happy. Just for you, just for you. <laughs> I, I believe it's 1996, is it? If I, my memory, uh, yeah, is I, yeah. It's 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 not a very strong year for Swedish football because we missed the Euros in in the in England. But it's a great shirt, though. So yeah, it's 96. But uh, it should be remem- be remembered in a better way. Uh, it's not remembered at all these days, unfortunately. No, I, I guess remembered for the design, but less. And I suppose pertinently, the club crest is smack bang in the middle of that shirt. And Leonard, perhaps you could start just by telling us a bit about your book and how it came about. It's a book, as you mentioned, about uh, football club crests and their meaning and their history. This, it, it was published in 2016 uh, here in Sweden. I've obviously always been interested in, in football uh, and always been interested in history as well. And in between those two subjects this interest grew when i when i was growing up i found myself googling and i don't know if it was google or altruist or jahoo or whatever but let's call it googling i googled uh football crests football badges and why they look like they do why is it a devil on manchester united's crest why did juventus have ball on their crest uh, and why did uh, the dutch side Ajax. Why did they have a, a, a picture of Ajax of the of the ancient Greek hero on their crest? So um, I just wondered over all these things, and I found myself reading night after night or day after day about uh, well crests from all over the world. And then I understood that I really wanted to read a book about football crests, and there wasn't none. You know, there were, the only books I could find on the subject were color books for children, where you can you, you know you can color the badges yourself and. Uh, I was a little bit too old for that. So I thought, hey, I should write this book because it doesn't exist. And um... <laughs> it's a great book. Both myself and Adam own one of these copies. So it's one that it's a great coffee table book. I think you can get it out, look at all the crests. There's some great imagery in there, all the crests of various different clubs throughout their history. And then like a fact file of, of, of each different one. And um, I mean, what did you find when you started researching this? I mean, where did you where did you even start with it? Um. Well, it's I actually I actually wrote another book on the subject 
like two years ago about ice hockey crests. Um, but, but I know it's not a sport. <laughs> it's not a big sport in, in, in the UK, but here in Sweden, it's a pretty uh, big sport. And uh, I noticed during the process of the second book, I understood how difficult it was to do the first book because football, it's not as accessible as ice hockey. Uh, because I found when I wrote the book about ice hockey logos that all the clubs, including the clubs from the NHL, the, the North American Hockey League, uh, the biggest in the world, um, they were all aboard the project uh, at once. They wanted to be part of the book. They helped me so much. Whereas in the football project, I really had to work with a lot of the clubs to to get the license, to have the, the license of their, res- of their respective crests in the book. So the first thing was to contact all of the clubs in the book and ask for their permission to use their logos in the book. And a lot of clubs didn't didn't answer or they didn't take didn't want to take part. I think I put down three or four months just contacting clubs from all over the world. Um, and some clubs I didn't I didn't manage to persuade them. So that's why you're you're probably missing one or two big clubs in there. And some clubs I managed to persuade and then they helped me. But I also understood in the process that a lot of history is not being taken care of by some clubs. They don't really care about their history or they don't they don't have a great filing system or archive system. So I had to turn to supporters and uh, historical books and, you know, match reports and match programs from all over the world uh, to help me get the whole picture because a lot of the clubs were missing the whole picture of their crest history themselves. That's interesting to note that some clubs don't curate that kind of background and history of their crests and that kind of thing. And I'm really surprised, but I guess perhaps I shouldn't be with the the amount of different kind of rebrands that we see nowadays and the the kind of modernization of club crests in particular. I think it's been... A, a real kind of bone of contention with fans about rebranding um and, and i think a lot of it is to do with the the history of the badges and the the connection that fans have with that badge are there any rebrands you can think of that have actually been quite successful because there's a lot of ones which people have been quite negative on like for example chicago fire have like backtracked on their rebrand yeah and now they're the new one um i remember a few years back leeds did that dreadful one the most horrific of them all yeah yeah like juventus fiorentina there's been a lot of kickback are there there any success uh, successful ones that you can think of yeah well i would actually say that two of the the english giants uh did pretty well actually and the first one was uh chelsea in the beginning of the roman abramovich reign they you know they turned back to the circular badge with the with the rampant lion as of days past that was pretty popular and uh has been in use now for well almost 20 years i guess and also the circular manchester city badge you know they had the eagle with the three stars and the shield and the eagle was never popular didn't have anything really to do with with the history of manchester city so when they returned to what once was but in a more in a modern kind of way, those two became popular. But you're touching, well, the heart of the subject here because it's very hard to actually make a rebrand, to rebrand your club and make it popular instantly. 
you almost always need time to make the people forget about the old badge and you almost always need success on the pitch as well. The, the supporters will accept the, the rebrand faster. Uh, but I would say that Chelsea and Manchester City to, to answer your question. I mean, I'm I'm a Chelsea fan, Leonard, so I can say that rebrand of the Chelsea club crest was really popular. That one we had in the late 80s, 90s. Yeah. Fans call it the, the Millwall badge because it's so reminiscent of Millwall's club crest and it was really unpopular. Yeah, yeah. Probably the most famous rebrand I can think of of a club crest has got to be Juventus or it's the one that I seem to spring to my mind straight away. That seems to have been taken pretty well it seems or at least overseas in terms of increasing their brands i'm sure the supporters don't like it but do you think that's been a success that one well according to reports and marketing reports it is a successful uh rebrand but it also met criticism and it's, and it's still criticized because it has nothing to do with the history of Juventus, as you obviously know. But they did something else there. They wasn't interested at all in the history of the club or of what the supporters wanted. They wanted to make a global brand out of a football club. So they looked at New York Yankees. You know, there's thousands, literally thousands, millions of people all over the world wearing, you know, the, the New York Yankees uh, cap with the New York Yankees logo from baseball. And the majority of them, the vast majority, doesn't know what it means at all. And it's those kind of customers that Juventus wants to reach with their rebrand. They don't need to like football. They just need to buy their stuff. They need to buy their clothes. And that's why they made that rebrand. I spoke with a lot of uh, graphical designers. I'm not a graphical designer myself, but I spoke with a lot of graphical designers. And they all love the Juventus badge. They think it's almost perfection. But... When you ask a football supporter, they hate it because it's, it doesn't have any history at all. So it's, it's two worlds. A, a great rebrand should combine those two worlds, but Juventus have just one of those worlds. The modern mar- market values, that's what Juventus are after. And I guess that's kind of key to all of this, isn't it? I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you is just why is a club crest so important to a football club? And you've touched on history and what that means to supporters and, and to a club. But if Juventus is the perfect example of kind of a modern club crest, in your opinion, what's a, a club crest that you think perfectly encapsulates that history and everything that would mean to a club? Well, I'm actually wearing a shirt now. I don't know if you've seen it with the Derby County badge. Um, I'm not a Derby County supporter. I am a Fulham supporter, so sorry. <laughs> sorry for that. That's fine. Um, but I think that Derby County, it's not the most beautiful badge in the world, but we could all, I could have also said Nottingham Forest. But though both of them are badges instantly recognizable now as back in the 1970s or from whenever from whenever they were made and the derby county badge it has been modernized but it's still the same badge of 50 40 years ago and the same with nottingham forest it doesn't need to to be modernized they don't need to change it because they were already spot on when creating it it's a simple design instantly recognizable i would say those are two great examples of what a crest is but I often say that the badge of the football club, that's the least common, the smallest common ground between the football supporter, the player and the club, because we all wear it. We, we are all part of it. We're all, we're all identifying with it. And when a club takes that away from you, as in the Juventus way, 
when there's no history left compared to what Chelsea and Manchester City did in a great way, when there's no history left, what's left then? It's just a symbol of what? Of, of market value. It's, um, it's really interesting you mentioned Nottingham Forest, actually, because just before we started talking to you, Tom and I were having a catch-up, and I specifically said that Nottingham Forest was like the ideal kind of badge that it, it came about in 1973, I believe, yeah. and it still looks as modern today as it would have back then. And I think part of it is because, going back to Juventus, why that badge works in some respects is because it works really well on social media because it's quite simple, but it's also easy to produce on kits because it can be any color because it's so like the monochrome colors it it can be changed very easily and nottingham forest did that in 1973 like that badge hasn't really changed but they can have it on the away shirt and it can be blue it can be white it can be any color and it still looks good whereas some other clubs when they have to change the colors sometimes it doesn't look as good i think that's quite interesting you mentioned uh, them and derby county as teams that have had badges for a long time that now teams are trying to replicate that kind of look Exactly. It has to be simple these days. And Derby County and Nottingham Forest, is, they are so simple as they can be, but in a great, great way. They're, they're perfection, both of them. I have to say, I absolutely loved your sign-off on that answer as well, about how the badge is the biggest common ground. I think it's such a romantic view of football and, and identifying with club. And yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And again, it's one of the things that makes this book of yours so so good and such essential reading for a football fan. With that in mind, though, one thing I was going to ask you, because, of course, they think kits. We love talking about football kits on on this pod. A couple of years ago, 2021, I believe, I think that's right, Adam, isn't it? Puma brought out a range of third shirts that caused quite a lot of controversy. And the reason these were (laughs) controversial was because the design choice they made relegated the club badges from the shirts, which I think is scandalous. It upset a lot of other people. Some people praised it as, as you know, brave design. With what you just said in mind, what's your opinion on that? Well, I hate, I hated them. I know exactly which they are. I hate them so much. I agree with you. There was a bold move. It was a bold move, but they took away most important symbol of what a, of what a football club is and what the football supporters are. So, so. Those shirts, they were just they were just jerseys. There weren't anything else. They were just jerseys. They, they, they were jerseys with, without identification. So no, they're the devil spawn of football shirts. I know Adrian, who I know you've spoken to, will 100% agree with that. He's the biggest advocate for throwing these shirts in a, a skip and setting fire <laughs> to them. So <laughs> The thing is, Leonard, can you tell us how you really feel about them? <laughs> I, I don't think you were strong enough on that. <laughs> well... They should all be burned. <laughs> all be burned <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're awful. They're awful. Absolutely awful. Football shirt wise, are there any football shirts that you own or that you particularly love in terms of how they incorporate the badge or has a particularly great badge on it? Anything like that? Um, I am. I collect kits myself uh, or shirts. I think I my latest one is the Vasco da Gama third shirt. Uh, from this season so it's i think i have 322 shirts at home now uh what's that make what what does that make me uh, uh compared to you how many do you own guys? i would say it's a similar you you're you're an experienced well-versed collector i would say with 300 shirts 
I think I'm near to about 450. Wow, um, my God. But that's too much. I don't have enough room in my wardrobe for it. It's <laughs> no, really no, that's, uh, that's, what, that's what my wife says. <laughs> Do you have a top three shirts from your collection then that you can think of that really stand out? You, you know, if you had to save three shirts from your 322. Yeah, um, that would be uh, the Cameroon, the shirtless Cameroon one from uh, two, 2001, I think, 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was, it, was very, it was very criticized back then, but I actually, I actually loved it. Then the Cameroonian players like Patrick and Beaumont, some of them too wore it much better than, than I did because I don't have any <laughs> <laughs> muscles. Um, but that's one of my personal favorites. And I always have to mention Sampdoria. I always have to mention Sampdoria. I'm not a Sampdoria fan, but those jerseys are, are, they're always the best. They're always the most beautiful. And they always stick to what's right. They stick to tradition. They stick to history. They stick to their symbolism. I I love Sampdoria. And I actually have a signed, match-worn Fabio Quagliarella shirt. So from my collection, uh, it will be that one. And... um, a personal favorite. Well, I don't know if you remember Anders Svensson, a Swedish uh, national team player, our most capped player of all time. Uh, he made three or four seasons in Southampton, like 2001 to 2005 and stuff. He was not a great player in the Premier League. It was okay. I, he's a great Swedish player, though. And the first shirt I got that was match worn was his Southampton shirt from the 2004 season. Uh, and he just gave it to me. I worked, I worked with him uh, like 10 years ago. And he just gave it to me because I like football shirts. And I thought that was so nice. So that shirt has a very special place in my in my heart and my collection. I love that. He was a great free kick taker, Anders Svensson. Yeah, yeah. Sublime, sublime. Yeah. He, he was one of those players I always remember back from the old sticker books. Adam, do you remember when, when I was mm, at school? Yeah, and I always used to have Anders Svensson stickers. Uh, I had one on my pencil case, I think. <laughs> <laughs> probably the um, most common sticker <laughs> it's it's funny that you mentioned Sampdoria so again like Adam said before we came on briefly we had a conversation about our favorite club badges he mentioned Nottingham Forest which you've just mentioned earlier and you've just mentioned Sampdoria which I think is my favorite club crest as well yeah and it's, it's so uh, so unique isn't it the Genoese sailor it's it's brilliant yeah, it's terrific. Uh, it's, you know, it's a sailor because Genoa, from the city where, where some of place, is a port city, uh, the biggest port in Italy. I think it's like the third biggest port in the whole of Europe, um, maybe the fourth. So obviously they have to have a sailor. And they, Sampdoria were founded between two clubs, San Pier d'Arenese and Andrea Doria. They were fusioned together in like 1950s or something. And they kept the colors of both teams and the color still remains on the crest. Ah, it's, it's a beautiful, 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 beautiful badge. Love it. This is where I find this kind of thing fascinating because it's very similar to football kits and that everyone has an opinion. And some people can look at something and think this is like the best football shirt in the world. And other people look at it and go, well, that's actually a disgrace. <laughs> in the back of your book, you list Sampdoria, Ajax and Blackburn as three crests that you really like. And when yeah. I saw that, I was like, I, I don't get the Sampdoria thing. I don't understand it. I don't like that crest. You don't, you don't because both of you think like look at it and you're like this is a brilliant this is football crest perfection and i don't like it and and i think that's what's fascinating about these things it's like obviously like the fans will like it because there's a history but from a design point of view you look at it and go this is good and i look at it and go nah don't like <laughs> it. yeah that's interesting and Sampdoria actually has a bit of a problem if we speak design wise because there's it's not 
easy to understand that it's a sailor. And that's the problem. You have to know that it's a sailor to see him with the pipe and everything. Mm-hmm. I had I have a friend who I play football with on you know, like Sunday League, and he thought it was a map or something. And there's a problem. If you don't understand what it is, you have a problem. It has to be easy and easily recognizable and easily understandable, like Derby County or Nottingham Forest. So that's a problem Sampdoria has. But I know it's a sailor, so I love it. It's, mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. While we're on Italian badges as well, and again, trying to combine this with football kits, Roma did something that no other club has done before this season with their third kit. And that was to create a shirt with a badge that changes from the modern badge to the retro one. What's your views on that? I actually, I could, I could see myself hating it because it's like a modern uh, type of thing, but I actually like it because they are flirting with tradition. They're combining modernization with tradition. And I think they pull it off. Actually, it was like a couple of years ago, red star Paris, they had a badge, they could remove and put other badge on. Velcro, wasn't it? Yeah. It was kind of the same thing, but I think Roma did it better. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it's flown off the shelves. I think it was sold out for a long time. I think it's a shame that the players aren't able to wear that version of the shirt. They have to... It's been banned by the uh, authorities, I think, on the pitch, which is a terrible shame. See, another thing I always find interesting is when clubs redesign their badge just for one year for like a special occasion, whether it be a centenary or yeah. an event. And sometimes they get it so wrong. And then other times it, they just tread that line perfectly. But it's such a balancing act, isn't it? I found that a lot of clubs that do this, they have their like centenary badge or whatever. They are testing the boundaries to see if it could be possible to make that change permanent. I don't know if you've seen, but FC Utrecht in, in the, the Netherlands, they changed their badge for the centenary season, or it was, it was, I think it was the centenary season, and said it was supposed to be only a centenary badge. But then the season after, they actually changed it permanently to that badge. And Willem, Willem II of the Netherlands as well did the same thing. They reverted for the centenary season, reverted or their 125th season, reverted to uh, an old logo, uh, as a celebration and then they the season after they they started using it permanently so some teams are just are just doing this for for a celebration but some teams are actually feeling the terrains feeling the mind of the supporters C- can we do this and still make them happy so a centenary badge is isn't always what it seems it could be something else well, I think uh, Liverpool, I, I don't know if that was the idea behind it, but Liverpool did a similar thing in 92 when they brought in their centenary badge. And yeah. then the season afterwards, they followed that same design, but then they added the eternal flames to it. But it was the same badge with the, the Shangley gates on top of it. So yeah, I wonder if that was a thinking or whether they did the centenary badge and then they were like, this looks quite good. Let's keep it. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they thought, but it could be both. <laughs> it could be both, mm. both, of, both of them. One thing that's so interesting with football crests is when you get to know a football club, you also get to know the football crest, and then you get to have feelings for that crest. Could be good feelings, could be bad feelings. But I'm thinking of uh, Ajax in Ajax in in the in the Netherlands, which is one of my 
favorite crest. I really love the symbolism of it, uh, drawn with 11 lines to, to represent the 11 players on the pitch. Really love it. But that is actually despised by older Ajax supporters because they, I think they changed in the beginning of the 90s uh, to this badge. Uh, but they want to. They want the club to go back to revert to the to the former badge, which which is similar to this one, but it's more. It looks like a shield and not not like uh, these lines today. And I understood that the supporters of Ajax today, who grew up as uh, as I did, probably a little bit younger. I'm 35, so but uh, so young Ajax supporters who are younger than me. They love the badge they have today, and supporters who are older than me, they hate it. So. It's not always a question about design or history. It could, only, it, could, it could be a question about when you get to know the club and the crest. And I guess one of the, the things with that is it's like the, your first World Cup argument, isn't it? People always love the, the World Cup that they saw first and they stick yep. by it. Again, just like you said, it's the crest people kind of are most familiar with. One of the questions we always like to ask people before we let them go on this pod is their kind of fantasy football shirt so it would be <laughs> any any football shirt from any era crossed with any player from any era what mm-hmm. would you like to see so I'll ask you that but I also wanted to just add another element to it of you know your fantasy club badge you know shield spherical how how would you choose your fantasy club badge <laughs> well my 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 fantasy badge my answer to that would be, you know, I love the traditions and history of football clubs and the tr- traditional symbols as well. I would love to see all the crests come back in use and not these new Juventus type of things. I would be, my favorite crest would be if Bari Calcio in Italy, now called SSE Bari of Serie B, if they reverted to their Kellogg's Cornflakes rooster. <laughs> because... That's one of my absolute favorites of uh, of days past. I really, really enjoy that. So I would love Bari to revert back to that crest. It's probably a question of money, and you know they went back bankrupt with that with that crest. So uh, they used like two or three others in the last couple of ten years. But um, I would love Bari to use that again. It's uh, it's splendid. And to answer your question about the shirt and player, I would say. Gabriel Batistuta Fiorentina Nintendo shirt. Can't argue with that. Can you, Adam? Absolutely not. It's a well, I, I own one of the Fiorentina shirts. It's the the one with the yellow on the sleeves with, with the the feel of the one, and yeah, it, it's majestic. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfection. Truly nineties perfection. You made up for that with your Sampdoria terrible take on Sampdoria badges, Adam. That's what you've done there. Yeah, <laughs> apologies for that. But again, it's all opinions, isn't it? That's why we like kits. That's why we like football badges and things. That's why we like football. It's it's all opinions. I'd like to know from, from my point of view here, I know that I'm your guest, but I'd like to know, I'd like to hear from both of you, which are your three favourite crests? Adam, you said Nottingham Forest is one and Sampdoria as, as well. Uh, but if you could choose three, just top of your mind, both of you. You want to go first, Tom? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's tough. Uh, weirdly, one of the ones that really springs into my head straight away is Boca Juniors, just because the stars and the, you know, the initials of the club and the, and the shield, 
and the blue and gold you know you see that and you kind of straight away you know what it is and what it represents it's unique it's definitely yeah oh it's tough again purely i didn't know you was going to ask this question so just i'm thinking of the first badges that spring to my head in my head and i don't know if it's because i've seen it on twitter recently but i'm thinking of union berlin because it's the rectangle shape and again there's not many crests like that so it always stands out to me it truly does, especially in this modern modern day as well, when everything's converted into round shapes. Yeah, mm. and another one, this is a slightly stranger one, but uh, Bristol Rovers, I've always loved their club badge. with The, the pirate! pirate. <laughs> the quarters, the pirate, it's unique, it's traditional, it's a great, great club crest, I think. Yeah, um, it really it really made me happy. They Did you see that they have a vote, had a vote, uh, let their supporters vote for a new badge uh, this yes. autumn? Uh, for like an um, Orlando Pirates type of thing. I'm really happy that they sticked with, with what they got because it's great. Yeah, they rejected a, a modernised badge, didn't they? They said they wanted yeah, to yeah. stick with what they've got. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Um, if you'd asked me this before to prep, they would never have been the three clubs I would have picked, but I'll go Unia Berlin, Bristol Rovers and Boca Juniors. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, so for me, obviously, said Nottingham Forest, I think it's a perfect example of kind of retro modernism if that makes any sense because it does work so well today and um, i mentioned them earlier actually uh the old chicago fire badge i think is brilliant and why they tried to rebrand and then rebrand again i don't know because it's based on kind of the emergency services yeah that kind of yeah. design what i like about mls and it feels like mls are trying to move away from this like with like name changes moving away from montreal impact for example changing the name to mm. a more european sounding name what i like about mls is the american side of it um and i love the old chicago fire badge but also um there's a team in japan called sagan tosu who are probably Sagan-tosu. most famous Fernando Fernando Torres, 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 yeah, yeah. and their badge is wonderful because a it's got a great big magpie on it uh, <laughs> yeah. their actual colors are kind of like a very bright light blue and hot pink yeah it's got the the five colors from the olympic rings but in stripes of so the five continents and then underneath the kit it says true champions in the hearts of all who love Sagantos. <laughs> and it's so Japanese. And I love that. It's such a that. Japanese kind of, it's wholesome. It's very earnest. It's such a cool badge. And I absolutely love it. I agree. I, I, I don't know Japanese, but me and my wife, we went to Japan for our honeymoon a couple of years oh, ago. How old? Uh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2016, yeah. we went on our honeymoon to Japan. Yeah, t- 2016, me as well. Maybe we passed in the street. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really love Japan. And then when we were there, I uh, we went to football games and I bought a couple of shirts, obviously. Um, but I started to read about the Japanese club names and I really love this. You know, the, the Japanese football tradition is that they name their clubs after a European word and a Japanese word, like Sanfrecce Hiroshima. It's mm-hmm. Sun is like three in Japanese and Frecce is arrows in Italian. So it's three arrows Hiroshima. So Japanese and it's so great. It's, it's terrific. And uh, Gamba, Osaka, Gamba is leg on it in Italian. Osaka is obviously Osaka. And the uh Seretsu Osaka, you know, it's cherry tree mm-hmm. and Osaka, a cherry tree in Spanish and, and Osaka. So uh, we could have an episode <laughs> of, 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 on solely Japanese football, but I love it. Do you know what? That's an offer we might not be able to refuse, Leonard. You should you should come back. I mean, maybe you've got plans to do a J League special of the book. <laughs> yeah, I would love that too. Maybe a research trip or two to Japan. That would be great. <laughs> Honestly, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so much fun. We could 
definitely room for a, a sequel of this episode, by the way, if people really enjoy it. And Adam, I believe you've got one more question you'd like to ask about possible future plans. Um, yes, I'm actually speaking with my publisher. Uh, we're having a dialogue about another book. He wants me to write a book on a certain subject, and I want to write a book about another subject. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's both uh, uh, it's both uh, football, but it has nothing to do with crests, any of them. Um, we'll see. Until then, I will be uh, working here at Channel 4 in Sweden, where I work uh, on sports television. So those are my future plans. Uh, I'm actually going to England this weekend, to the UK, to, to Sheffield to see Rotherham against Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday against Plymouth. So that's going to be good. That's proper, proper Northern English football, that is. That's that's going to be enjoyable. Yeah. Wrap up warm, that's the only thing. Well, <laughs> perhaps you just <laughs> let us know one more time, where can people find this book if they want to buy it? Yeah, it's called World Football Club Crest. It can hopefully be bought at your local bookstore in the UK. I always uh, tell people to buy books at their local bookstore. You have to help them survive. And if they don't have it, you can buy it at Bloomsbury's. And it's also found on you know pages such as Amazon and stuff like that. But um, I implore you to buy your books locally. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Len. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That was genuinely, I think, my favourite feature we've recorded, actually. Really, really, really enjoyed that one. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool, Leonard, talking about how a crest is the the kind of closest relationship a a fan has to a club. I thought that was really kind of powerful, the way you described that. And also, I knew you'd appreciate his hatred of those Puma third shirts as well. I mean, I think he actually rivaled me for his hatred of it. So I've got to say fair play to him. And the stuff he said about the, um, I've got to be honest, the Japanese teams and how the names, I know it come away from the badge, but how the names choose a European word and then a Japanese word. Honestly, that was complete revelation to me. Yeah, there's loads of them. It's, it can go really in depth. I mean, I know me and Mike have spoken about it behind the scenes. So we might actually do something on that in the next couple of weeks. Well, unless somebody else gets there first, I think we should do that. What should we go with next, Scott? Scott, you can choose, right? We're going to do an X-rated quiz or are we going to do Dear Tom? Well, I think it's always good to end on a quiz, so let's get let's get Dear Tom on the go. In that case, here comes our brand new segment, Dear Tom. Dear Tom, hope you're well. Please help a collector in his hour of need. As I begin to wear more and more of my football shirts in day-to-day life, I started to notice my girlfriend really hates a lot of them, but in particular, the sponsors on the shirts. If it's something controversial like Schalke's Gazprom, Qatar Airways, she really doesn't know where to go. She just seems very rarely to be in the mood that day if I've had a football shirt on with a sponsor. What do you suggest? Can you recommend any sexy sponsors? Or should I pull on the heartstrings subconsciously wearing shirts without a sponsor, or maybe even a charity sponsor, showing that I care? What's a man to do? Or are there some international shirts sexier than others that you would like to recommend to me? Many thanks, Anonymous. Well, what I would say to that person is, don't go down the charity route. We all know charity gets you nowhere. What springs to mind? We've got heck. Get a massive sausage on the front of your shirt to get the the bubbles a-popping. 
you know, go, why don't you go for something like that? Just subconsciously get her thoughts flowing, the juices flowing, even international shirts. I think you just mentioned those. Um, but no, there's no sponsors on international shirts, so maybe that is a good way to go if she's embarrassed by the sponsors. Maybe you go all international. We all know how partners like something exotic every now and again. But I think really the, the <laughs> takeaway from this is she should be proud to have you next to her in your vintage Club America, your vintage Schalke, hell, even your modern Schalke. So I think instead of thinking about what sponsor you need to be wearing, I think you need to be thinking about what girlfriend you need to be appearing in public with. Week number one, how do, how do we rate Tom's advice there, boys? I think it was good because if it, I'm a bit more straight to the point that Tommy was very tactful. If I'd have been asked that question, I'd have just said, fuck her off. And he went around it in a much more polite way. I think I think he did he did a really good job his first agony aunt question there. Uh, but the only the only mistake you did make is that fucking sausage shirt isn't getting anybody anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you could pick them up in a Ferrari and get out in that fucking sausage shirt and they'd be like, like actually I'm alright, mate. You're lucky I didn't mention nip on ham, that's all I'm saying. Oh dear. Well, um, if anybody out there is suffering from any sort of issue that they want some guidance on, as you've heard, Tom is more than qualified to to give you an answer. Not necessarily the right answer, but um, but he will listen and he'll respond. So please do fire them across to me on a lighter note, but maybe um, similar bedroom vibes. Mike, you've got a quiz. I have. I kind of come up with this a little bit on the cuff really, because a friend of the pod, Classic Trefoil on Twitter, he, he shared a, a post, a shirt, and the name set on the back of Andre Muff. And I thought, that's quite quite amusing. Everybody, you know, had a little bit of a, a giggle in the replies. And apparently they came to the conclusion that Andre Muff is um, a bit of a diver, but as, as much as, as, as anyone said, really. And I thought, well... You know, Andrew Muff, that could almost be the name of uh, an adult film star, couldn't it? So what I've done is I've got a little quiz and I've got a load of names for it. I'm going to go through one by one. We're just going to go A.D., Scott, then Tom. And I'm going to give you a name. So it's a little bit like, do you remember that god-awful quiz you did with the artists and Eredivisie stars, Tom? It was unbelievable. That yeah, would have been it, an awful it, one. Yeah, it, it was, I meant amazing. <laughs> so it's just like that, basically. you just got to tell me if it's an adult film star or if it's a footballer. So I'm going to go straight to you, AD, first. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I just, want, I just want to say, I feel like Scott has an unfair advantage with this quiz. Yeah, he does spend <laughs> a lot of time away from home, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> right, no comment on that one. Right, let's go. I'm going to come to you first, Adrian. So, Rod Fanny. Rod Fanny. Uh, I'm going to say he sounds like uh, a left winger. <laughs> Correct, played for Marseille. Uh, then we're going to go to Scott. Johnny Thrust. Definitely a prolonged star. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> he said that with too much confidence. <laughs> Tom. Mike Gash. <laughs> you might want to see a doctor about that, mate. Um, I'll go footballer. He is a footballer. He played for Kidderminster Harriers. Is he a footballer AD. then? <laughs> uh, AD. Scotty Nails. Scotty nailed, nails, nails. Ah, <laughs> uh, footballer. No, he is an an American forty year old adult film star. Uh, Scott, long dong silver. Obviously, a footballer. 
It, no, of course he's a porn star. <laughs> he was, unfortunately, he died at the very young age of 42 in 2002. Did he go out doing something he loved? Or? I hope so. Uh, oh, I doubt Tom. he loved them. <laughs> Taylor Hardwood. A footballer. He is a footballer. He plays for Anderlecht. AD, Fabian, Arsman. There's quite, quite a few Arsmen out there, actually. I'm going to say footballer. He is. He's an Argentinian goalkeeper that played for Velez Sarsfield. There's no way an adult film star is choosing the name Fabian, are they? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, who are we on? Uh, Scott. Um, Dick Smothers Jr. If it's not an adult star, I will be shocked. It's a football... No, it's not. It's, it's an adult film star. Uh, Tom. I need a second to compose my time. <laughs> Oh, God. Mike, what we haven't told people is Mike only had to look up the footballer names. <laughs> I just hope my missus don't look at my search history. <laughs> right, Tom, Ralph Minge. <laughs> oh, that's good. No, no one's calling. Yeah, that's a footballer. Oh, Minge yeah. isn't attractive, is it? <laughs> it's horrible. You know what? The giveaway oh. here is the sensible first names. That's the all the last names are brilliant, but it's the sensible first names that's the giveaway. Okay, who are we on now? It's uh, back to eighty. Dale Debone. Dale Debone. Uh, Dale Debone. That uh, sounds American. Uh, I'm going to say he's an adult film star. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, right, here we are to Scott. Choky Ice. Choky Ice. <laughs> Adult film star. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a Hungarian. How the fuck are you getting them all right? Because <laughs> the um, kid jokey. He's got to be an adult film star. <laughs> right, I've only got two left, so it just falls on it for So we got who it's Tom now, isn't it? Angelico fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Angela. Angelico fucks. Oh, that's got to be a porn star. Does he? <laughs> It's footballer. footballer. (laughs) The best part is his birth name is Angelica Fux, spelled F U C K S, and he changed it legally to be spelled F U C H S. Like it makes any difference. Oh man, right, AD, you get the last one. Brian Pumper. Uh, Adult film star. Yeah. I'm not playing this anymore. <laughs> right. I, I think I came last. I'm pleased to come last on that. This is actually a reverse order. If you come last, you win, yeah? <laughs> this soggy biscuit. Oh, man. That absolutely killed me. I really struggled to keep calm on that one. I actually have two really funny, real life funny name stories. <laughs> one of them was when I was younger, I used to work at the airport where you'd, you'd have to meet people to take them to their car rentals. So you had to stand with a sign on their name on it. And I genuinely picked up a Mr. Cunt one day. K-U-N-T. <laughs> Some German bloke. So I had to stand oh at the God. airport with all these people coming off the planes with a sign that said Mr. Cunt. That would have been like the Spider-Man meme that day, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, the second story is even. <clears throat> so there was a boy in my class at school. No word of a lie. His surname, <laughs> was, his, his surname was Mycock. And there was a rumour <laughs> There was a rumor that went around for years, that his mother, who was called Dorothy, was actually called Pat. So they thought that her name was Pat Mycock. 
That's fucking true as well. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh, right. Just just to try and get back on track a little bit, when I was uh, doing some very serious research for this quiz, um, I found a couple of lists of footballers with funny names. So I'm just going to tell you a few of the others and see if you've ever... And these are all legitimate footballers. So there's a footballer called Norman Conquest, uh, Mark Deman, Peter Panda, Danger Fourpence, Mark Bash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danger Fourpence is a Zimbabwean defender. Uh, right. uh, there's one called Cheeky Arce. Uh, who else have we got? Wolfgang Wolf. That everybody knows of that one, didn't they? There is one. You might want to cut this one out because I'm not sure if it'll fly. But there was an apparent footballer called Ars Bandit. <laughs> That's got me a wind up. Well, I don't know because I tried to have a look and see if it was real, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, certainty. But it, there's a lot of claims that it was an Algerian footballer in the the seventies. Um, arse means arse in every country. So I'm getting a flashback here, right? Is there? I, I remember the USA '94 sticker album, right? Was there a Mexican left back called Big Gary Arce? <laughs> <laughs> or am I dreaming this? <laughs> Bolivian, well, big area arse, I don't know. Funnily, that, that one that I said, cheeky arse, he was a Paraguayan player who played at World Cup 98. Maybe that's him. There's a few other good ones as well, though. So there is a, there's another African uh, player. Uh, 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 actually, guys, just, just to warn you, I've just Googled big area arse, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have, there was a player called Credence Clearwater Kuto, who's a Brazilian player. Uh, there was a Brian Penis as well, but I, I don't know why I didn't put that one on the list. That was quite a good one. So yeah, so well, was there a Penis at Newcastle as well? A Dutch left winger. Newcastle might have been him. Uh, I, you know what? I, I think we just need to move on because my my ribs hurt from laughing at that. <laughs> Brian Penis was obviously a footballer though because his first name's too sensible. How are we going to talk this oh, next? That is true. Oh, okay, okay. Well, what about this? Uh, you, you say about the first names being too sensible. There was, no joke, there was another Zimbabwean player whose name was Have a Look Doob. So Brian Penis did play for Newcastle. So I got, I got that right. And he's a winger. You absolutely know your penises. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to move on, don't we? That's enough fun for one week, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> what have we got coming up over the next few weeks? Mike, put you on the spot again. Oh, you've done it again. Right, who have we got? So we have got the Liverpool feature that you recently recorded with Steve from Redmond TV. We are still going to be recording our non-league special. And we've still got the PSG special in the bank. That I think we're going to drop around when the Champions League is on as well. It'll be a good time for it. So, yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun this week. Thank you very much for bearing with us if you haven't listened this far. Um, I thought the feature was really great this week. and not sure about the rest of the content, but we promise to keep good features coming every week. It's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. If you fast forward about 15 minutes to the uh, intro, you'll get to the feature anyway. If everyone can keep interacting on, on the socials, on Twitter, on Instagram and on TikTok, please keep doing so. It really means a lot when we, we see the feedback. And if this week's episode was too blue for you, let us know because I think there's a lot of Freudian slips in there this week. But yeah, let us know if you enjoyed it or maybe we will uh, keep it cleaner next week. I doubt it, but it's it's worth it's worth telling us. Right. My turn. I don't do this.
They think it's all over. It is now. Has somebody got a new PSG shirt? Oh, well, yeah, not yet. Pre-ordered. Just the one? Just one, yeah. I've heard it's not just one shirt. I love that. I love that that's gone around. <laughs> I've heard that someone has been excessive this week with their shirt purchases. No, you've been led down the garden path there, mate. There's only one on the way. Is it two versions of one shirt, though? One version of one shirt. So I have one. So just clarify what you've got on the way. I went for the new PSG fourth shirt and I've gone with the Mandarin name set because my favourite player scored in it. And I did want another one because I wanted the normal name set too, but I decided against it. Not sure if I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should hook him up to a lie detector. It shows your arsehole, is it clinching? (laughs) No, that's how you. That's how you stop. Yeah, that's how you stop it from working, isn't it? How how does Scott know how to to, to fool a lie detector? <laughs> no, I did order two because I was drunk and then woke up in the morning <laughs> and cancelled it. 